Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I'm Jenna Ellis, and welcome to Just the Truth Podcast, sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find them at thomasmoresociety.org. As you heard last week, the New York Bar issued an interim suspension for my good friend and your good friend, America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani, saying in a ridiculous 30-plus page opinion that he is, quote, a threat to the public interest, unquote. Jonathan Turley, who is no fan, of course, of conservatives, actually wrote a very good piece in The Hill that said that everyone should be very concerned when lawyers are suspended for simply advocating for their clients. So joining me now to discuss is Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor and my former co-counsel on Team Trump. So Rudy, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Nice to be with you, Jen. Yeah, great to see you. So your reaction to this suspension, I mean, it's just, it's awful, it's horrible, it's undeserved. And the thing that that I think is so ridiculous is that this is an interim suspension before you've even been able to put on your case. Yeah, yeah, they haven't, as usual, they haven't heard a witness at all, uh, which is par for the course for most of these courts. They don't want to hear witnesses. Uh, and in this particular case, they didn't even look at affidavits. We offered it to them. And in fact, in one particular place, they actually, they actually go ahead and contradict what I'm saying and never bother look at the, looking at the affidavit. Yeah, and this seemed to me to be completely political because uh, when they're saying that this is just an interim suspension and they have no choice because you're such a threat to public interest, I mean, clearly you've been talking about this um, on national TV, including here tonight, about this. And so it seems like even if they think that that was justified, they're not actually accomplishing anything because you're now able to still go out and talk about how ridiculously political this has been. So they're not actually even accomplishing anything by an interim suspension. Yeah, I don't understand where they come up with the danger. So the statements are statements after January 6th. So they don't apply to January 6th. And since January 6th, I've made a certain number of statements that they criticize. And there's been nothing that's happened. It's been six months. So I mean, this is just speculation based on speculation and no reality. All these statements that they talk about, it's never led to a protest of a rally, a, a firecracker, and anything. So they're making up this danger part. Uh, it, it, it's uh, mind-boggling how intellectually dishonest they can be. And then in another instance where I tell them that we'll make the affidavits available to them, they uh, say that since we didn't give them the affidavits, they're going to assume that what I'm saying is not true. <laughs> well, there are 300-plus affidavits. I couldn't possibly give them all to them. So we said we'll make them available to you. And they dishonestly leave that out of their opinion, don't ask for the affidavits, and then just conclude that the affidavits must contradict what I'm saying. And in fact, they support what I'm saying. So in both parts of the opinion, in order to get to their conclusion, I don't know what I would call it, they've got to be intellectually dishonest. I mean, they, they, they but it is a Democrat court. They right. are all appointed by Democratic district leaders, uh, county leaders. 
if they were to write an opinion in favor of me, of Donald Trump, I don't think Andrew Cuomo would appoint them to anything. Which so, is exactly why it's so political, because this is New York. And for them to write this opinion, which, of course, the mainstream media now comes out and says, oh, this is so damning. It's so embarrassing. It's, you know, all of those other things. They're doing this as a conclusion, it seems, before they're even willing to hear evidence. And that was exactly the problem with all of the courts in the post-November 3rd, 2020 election battles that you and I fought together was that no court was actually willing to hear the evidence. We never had a hearing uh, that we could bring forth witnesses, show evidence. We never had a hearing on the merits. They just made a conclusion about the evidence uh, and dismissed the cases on standing. So nothing was actually even heard. And so now for this particular court to say that you deserve a suspension based on something that was never even heard is ludicrous. Yeah, yeah, it's, but it's typical. It's typical of the fact that somehow some decision was made that the courts are going to stay out of it and Trump is going to be treated differently than everyone else. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to find another client whose lawyer's offices get raided. It seems like in New York, the only lawyer's offices that get raided are the lawyers of Donald Trump. Right. It's a, a, the, 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 the search warrant that they executed is completely in violation of the, of the Fourth Amendment. But the, the, the fact is, there seems to be a feeling that anything goes as far as, he, as he's concerned. There's a left-wing feeling, I guess, from their myopic and really sinister point of view. He's so bad, they can do anything to keep him out of office. And in doing that, they're destroying our Constitution. They are. And they're destroying the profession of law as well. I mean, Jonathan Turley, who I'm sure you've read that piece in The Hill, uh, that he said, you know, this should worry every American and certainly every lawyer. Um, I think he's right that this is uh, a really bad precedent. And obviously, you know, this is just New York. Thankfully, it's not, you know, every bar across America. But this is a very dangerous precedent to set, uh, even in one instance when this has gained such national attention. Yeah, when you consider that um, usually the only other cases where there's suspension is when lawyers are stealing money and there's a clear and present danger they're going to steal some more. There's no clear and present danger that I'm going to do anything. I've been talking like this for six months and nothing has happened. I mean, there's no reason to believe anything is going to happen tomorrow or the next day. Meanwhile, I'm saying the same things I said as you pointed out before and nothing is happening. So I don't know. I don't know how... I'm having a hard time figuring out how the court justifies this opinion. Yeah. Where, where, uh, how they, how they overlook the offer of affidavits and don't bother to look at them, and how they've come up with this idea of danger. Unless they think danger is if people believe that Biden was illegitimately elected. Well, people are entitled to believe that if they want. That is, that that's an opinion. People have. Uh, I mean, people believe that Donald Trump was illegitimately elected. Right. A lot of people in Georgia believe that Stacey Abrams is the governor. She does. Right. I, I haven't seen her go to jail or, or get well, disbarred. Yeah, She's been and, walking and, around for two years saying she was legitimately elected the governor. And, and this is what is so sinister, is that we've seen from the left a, the complete shutdown of any sort of questioning or sincere uh, advocacy to get to the truth. Because uh, we've seen that not only in the 2020 election, but the origins of COVID, questions about the vaccine, 
any questions on any subject that go against the left's narrative, then somehow those people who are willing to stand up and say, wait, we get to ask questions. We get to advocate as lawyers. We get to even question as journalists. Those people are shut down because the left doesn't even want to fact find, much less even say that there's a possibility that the truth is other than whatever their narrative projects. So uh, Rudy Giuliani is gonna be with me into the next segment and we'll be right back with more on Just the Truth. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to Just the Truth. And joining me now are two of my very good friends for more on all of this and cancel culture. Robbie Starbuck, who is the congressional candidate for Tennessee District 5, and Daryl Scott, who is the host of SmackDown right here on Real America's Voice. So, gentlemen, I want to talk uh, first of all in the context of Rudy Giuliani's uh, suspension and all of this kind of cancel culture. The other thing that I found actually hilarious today is that Right Wing Watch, which is this prominent group that uh, just puts out hit pieces against prominent conservatives. They've attacked me. They've attacked uh, basically anyone who has any sort of prominent voice in the conservative and particularly evangelical community was suspended permanently today on YouTube. So are we just, uh, Robbie, in this situation now that everybody's going to get canceled until literally nobody's allowed to talk? Absolutely. I mean, really, the goal is only people they want to allow to talk will be able to talk. And that's going to be people who are going to spout whatever approved viewpoint they are spouting. But what we're seeing here is proof of what we warned them about. We warned the left when this started, when they started targeting our people and trying to get them banned and censored off every platform. We said, you're not going to like this when the shoe's on the other foot and you guys start getting banned. And what happened? Exactly what we warned them about. And they're going to see more of this. There's going to be more of them who are seen as too far out of bounds from what they want the narrative to be. Yeah, so, uh, so Pastor Scott, I mean, this just seems like tolerance to the left is never a two-way street. And so do you think that now that leftist groups are getting canceled and suspended, we're going to actually see some allies in this and they're going to be crying First Amendment? Or are they just going to say, hey, we're different, but still suspend those evil conservatives? Well, or either we'll see this entire cancel culture mentality dissipate. You know, this right here with Right Wing Watch, I've been a a target of theirs in the past, such as you have. And uh, this, to me, is a case of the chickens coming home to roost. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, what this is? You know, necessity is the mother of invention. And what this is going to do is uh, provoke people to create platforms that are cancel-proof. Uh, you know, that we'll create platforms to express ourselves that they aren't able to ban us from or kick us off of. Uh, which is what a lot of innovators are doing right now. The Right Wing Watch, once again, they're not the only ones. You see how they did? Chrissy Teigen was a, a, a main canceller, and now she's a cancelee. And so I believe they're beginning to realize the error of their ways, and this entire uh, cancel culture mindset, it will probably be disappointing probably dissipate and be something that we look at and talk about, remember when they used to do that. I think it's a practice that's going to come to a conclusion. 
Yeah, I hope so. And, you know, Robbie, you're a, a candidate for Congress from uh, Tennessee, and obviously we wish you the best in that endeavor because the First Amendment here really needs to prevail. And so as conservatives are looking at this, and, you know, I mean, I, I tweeted a little snarky, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the meme with uh, Kermit the Frog sipping iced tea, you know, over the right-wing watch and their whole uh, just message of going, of their outrage that they were, they were canceled and how dare YouTube suspend us. But I think that the practical reality here that conservatives need to recognize is that we need to continue to be advocates for true, genuine, equal protection under the law, which includes our First Amendment constitutionally protected right for freedom of speech. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I think one of my jobs in Congress is to go after these big tech companies. And I think one of the ways you do it is, you know, if you were sitting here and we were on cell phones with each other and we were having an argument about politics and Verizon jumped on the line and said, hey, you're banned from cell phones. We don't like what you're talking about. You're not allowed to use cell phone ever again. Everybody would recognize that that's crazy. But when it's social media, suddenly people are lost and they don't know that it's crazy. It is crazy. It's just as crazy as the phone because this is the public square. So we need to treat them the way we treated phone providers and say, you know, you've got to you've got to allow people to have these conversations. This is the public square. You're providing a service. Yes. But it's become the public square and we have too many uses that are mandatory for people through public institutions to use these apps and these social media sites. So we've got to take care of this um, legislatively. Yeah, and, and that actually gets into another uh, question. I mean, I've had uh, Congressman Jim Jordan on this show recently talking about the big tech legislation uh, that was actually um, apparently written by Microsoft. So, some you know, this isn't bipartisan. This is all of the rhinos sort of jumping on. And, Robbie, with that legislation, I mean, Jim Jordan's assertion is that this is just giving more power to the deep state and creating these committees that the Biden administration will then have more control over and have this sort of administrative authority that then isn't accountable to the American people. And I'm seeing a lot of Republicans who don't understand that difference and aren't parsing it. And they're saying, well, why are some Republicans pushing back against big tech legislation, but they're not looking at the fine print of this? Well, I think, you know, there's sort of this rush to want to get something done. And sometimes when that happens, you have people who get to the finish line on a bill first, and usually it's the ones who are taking money from the lobbyists and from the big tech companies. And there are people on our side who are doing that. You know, that's why I think we need ideological candidates who are not taking money from big tech, but are taking money from their constituents, from their voters. And that leads to better, cleaner bills. And that's what we've got to go down that path. And we have to have these conversations within our party that we can't you know, big tech is not our friend. We can't pretend they are our friend. They never have been. They never will be. And so we've got to take care of this head on with our voters in mind. And what they want is they want freedom. And so we've got to fight for their freedom. And that means holding these companies accountable. They've also broken antitrust laws. And that's a that's another area we need to get into. And I think Josh Hawley's doing a great job with that. But that's the direction we've got to go down is really being lions to go after these companies for what they've done to the American people. That's a really wise point to say that it's not just about getting across the finish line first, but it's about being smart on legislation. Because we've seen how bad law uh, creates even more of a problem than what you were trying to correct. So I think that's a really wise statement, Robbie. But Pastor Scott, uh, where do you see the church's role in all of this? Because, you know, we see conservatives that are advocating in the political square. We talk about the First Amendment all the time. But really, the cancel culture has come at the doors of the church when you have 
a lot of pastors who are shrinking back. They're not wanting to tell the truth on biblical issues like, for example, the LGBT narrative because they're afraid of being canceled. They don't want to stand up in their churches with a bold voice because they're so concerned about this. So what is the church's role and obligation in the midst of this conversation? Well, the church is going to have to believe God and have faith that God will back them up if the stance that they take is unpopular to the masses, which the church's stance is usually unpopular to the uh, unchurched masses. You know, uh, there are a number of them that are afraid, literally afraid. I know a number of, I mean, I know most of the preachers in America anyway, and a lot of them will not touch some of those hot button topics. They will not touch uh, homosexuality, lesbianism. They will not touch a lot of the things that are, uh, they won't touch abortion. They don't want to take a stand on that because they're afraid of, once again, being canceled or uh, being targeted uh, for uh, what they consider to be persecution and oppression. I'll give an example. You know, we've already saw a miniature uh, repression of the churches. During the COVID virus, a lot of churches were forced to utilize online platforms in order to broadcast their services, Facebook in particular. And what the churches would do, mine included, we would have each of our members host watch parties to expand our audience so that you would have an audience and it would, it would replicate that when each member would not only log on to see what we were doing, but they would also replicate it by hosting watch parties. And then Facebook eliminated that feature. They took away that watch party feature and it restricted the audiences that a lot of churches have because they said these guys are getting too much coverage for their messages and they didn't figure out a way to monetize that. And so we were suppressed even then in that way. But once again, the church is going to have to be bold. They're going to have to stand up, stand forth and speak out on uh, outside of the pulpit or outside of the confines of the four walls, the same thing that they speak inside of the confines of the four walls. And they can't um, tailor their message to the point that society changes the message when the message is intended to change society. Yes. And that's what's going on right now. The things that were at one time taboo in the church has now become acceptable. And then the church is trying to figure out how to uh, bring these practices into the gospel of Jesus Christ when, these, when there really is no way to do it. And so they're watering down the gospel and making it inclusive of things that the gospel is inclusive and exclusive at the same time. And so they're trying to make it totally inclusive of everything and not exclusive of anything. Yeah, and Robbie, that sounds like the Republican Party today, actually, that, that doesn't want to have those very clear definitions to say this is what makes us conservative Republicans. And, you know, the message of Jesus Christ has always been counterculture. It has never been that we go along with whatever the, the cultural narrative and the every wind of doctrine of the secular worldview. And, it's, and historically, the party of Lincoln has stood on traditional values and principles that are rooted in the Judeo-Christian worldview. And I'm really concerned that this whole idea of the Republican Party going to Big Tent is actually going to uh, come back to force a lot of evangelicals out of the party. What's your response to uh, kind of the counterculture narrative that it seems like the Republicans are going toward? Well, I think in general, it's actually like if you if I clearly defined it, I would say it's actually sort of a shift away from originalism with the Constitution, because there's there's lines here where 
you know, you can be true to your faith and you can also look at certain issues and be very clear about them. If you look at the Constitution as an original document and you read it as it's intended to be written, you know, let's take the issue of trans bathrooms. That's not equal protection under the law. They're being given extra something that other people are not being given to be allowed to do something that violates somebody else's rights. So that's something that I think we have to make very clear, concise arguments, not just on a religious basis, but on a constitutionality basis. Absolutely. I think that's the place where we're getting lost. Yeah, and we're going to be right back with more with my power panel right here on Just the Truth. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and I'm continuing the conversation with my power panel, Robbie Starbuck, who is the congressional candidate from Tennessee District 5, and Daryl Scott, who is the host of SmackDown, right here on Real America's Voice. Definitely check out that show. He gives a brilliant SmackDown every weekend right here on Real America's Voice. And gentlemen, I want to uh, change topics here to discuss Gwen Berry, who was this totally unknown Olympic athlete, and then all of a sudden over the weekend, uh, I think really differentiated her by how anti-American she is by standing at the podium refusing to face the flag when the national anthem was playing. And to me, if you are an athlete representing the United States of America and you are so clearly anti-American and all that America stands for, you don't deserve to be on the team. Robbie? Yeah, um, my question is, what is the purpose of the Olympics then? Because my understanding was you were representing the United States of America with pride. That was the whole point of this. But I want to say this. This is the most important part of this to me. How dare she? I, I wouldn't be alive if it weren't for this country, period. I wouldn't be here. I would not exist if it were not for the freedom in this country. Anybody who has lost sight of how lucky we are to be American has really no semblance of understanding of how bad things are in other parts of the world. I, I think this is just totally the wrong stage to air any sort of grievance, and it's a slap in the face to people who have done so much and given their lives, of every race, have given their lives so this country could be the amazing place that it is. And so it, it really, this stuff really bothers me. It's bothered me forever. I don't care what the ideology is it comes from or what it's for or what their cause is. If you don't love this country and you aren't there to represent us, all of us, then don't go. Yeah, I mean, she's there to represent the United States of America, and it seems like, uh, Pastor Scott, that this is something where if you go to a meeting, if you go anywhere representing an organization, an entity, in this case a country, and you basically disparage your client or the person or the entity that you are supposed to represent as you are the representative, then you're not doing your job. And I don't care if we send athletes that are doing their hardest and they come in dead last. I'd rather have people who are there who are standing up proud to be Americans, proud to represent their country, rather than just some self-entitled snobby athlete that is turning her back just because she comes in third place throwing a hammer. And first of all, she needs to be canceled. They need to put her, make her part of the cancel culture, number one. 
Number two, she was a third place finisher. But to me, the worst part of it all, Jenna, Robbie, is the fact that the White House, the, the representation of American government, the White House defended her actions. Let me ask you this. How does turning your back on the American flag, Joe Biden said that she was acknowledging that uh, America had some sins in its past. Let me tell you something. The flag represents everything that is good about America. The flag represents America's uh, ideals. It represents America's principles, but not necessarily America's practices, simply because in our endeavor to form a more perfect union, we're trying to form a more perfect union with imperfect people. So this union will always be perfect in ideal. It'll always be perfect in principle. But in practice, it may never look up to its ideals. Now, we don't lower the ideals. We don't lower the principles simply because the practices don't always, when you have a mass of people, don't always live up to the principles. But she sit here, uh, you know, she gets on this platform to rip her country and to drag her country and to embarrass her country for what she considered to be what? Human rights violations? When some of the biggest human rights violators in, in world history, such as China, which is a huge hum a human rights violator now, she didn't acknowledge that. She's not going to speak out about that. She's not going to open her mouth about that. And so there's a lot of hypocrisy there. She just went up there for whatever reason she did to make whatever kind of dumb statement she made. And Joe Biden, once again, power for the course, he defends that mess. Jen Psaki, well, Jen Sucky is what I call her, because, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, Jenna. This ain't SmackDown, but she sucks. And, <laughs> and she defended it, too. And you know what? I'm not surprised that they defended that. And so it's, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. But the flag I is everything good it. about America. It, it doesn't represent any of the so-called sins of America's past. Those are not represented in, yeah. in, in, in that flag that we salute. A hundred percent. And Robbie, you were going to say something. I would say I, could, we couldn't, I couldn't have said it better. And I think we all learned one thing today, though, out of this. The throwing hammers is an Olympic sport. I was unaware of this. I didn't know that throwing hammers was something that you could get an award for. You learn new things every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that that's also part of this that we need to acknowledge is that nobody even knew of this athlete before she did this. And there seems to be a lot of self-centered sort of uh, egoism and entitlement and also this drive for attention because now everybody is talking about her. And obviously, I mean, we're talking about her on the show because we need to. It's part of the news. Um, it's part of, you know, why we need to have this conversation of standing up and being proud to be Americans. But at the same same time, it seems like maybe she's just looking for a deal from Nike or she's just looking to come out of oblivion. And that's also frustrating that when people like Joe Biden and Jen Psaki, I'll say it too, uh, that when they're going ahead and they're saying, oh, this is okay now, that's giving all of these other American athletes license to do this. I mean, when President Trump was in office, he would not have tolerated this. He wouldn't have stood for it. He would have called on Team USA to cut her from the team. He would have had harsh words and true and accurate words for this type of ridiculous, just childish behavior. And so, you know, Pastor Scott, what does that tell you about the leadership or lack thereof in this country? This leadership in this country right now is leaning left, 
no matter what. They're going to find some type of way to normalize this abhorrent behavior and to legitimize anything that the left comes up with because, you know, you know they talk about collusion. Well, this is collusion of the highest order. This is a conspiracy that whatever the left Whatever the left narrative is, we're in agreement with it. We're not going to try to dissect it, critique it, criticize it, analyze it, or even interpret it. It just, it is what it is. She did it. She turned her back on America. She's left-leaning. Okay, so we're going to back her no matter what. It's, wow. it's foolish. It's ridiculous. It's an indicator of the mindset of this party. Yeah, it absolutely is. And this is just getting, Robbie, to the absolute absurdity of this culture, not even in America, but across the world, that we're seeing Romans 1 actually really play out in front of our eyes, that the degenerate mind God gives us over uh, to all of this insanity that has to be labeled genuinely insanity. When you look at the headline that came out today, that there is a British person who is now transracial that had over 18 plastic surgeries just to look like an Asian or a Korean. I think, I mean, this is just so absurd that someone actually thinks that they can be transracial. I mean, imagine if this were a white person now trying to be uh, to be transracial and be a black person, would all of a sudden, you know, CRT not apply now? Because, you know, hey, systematic racism, they're telling me that it's we're born white and we have no other option. But, hey, if we just are transracial, then maybe that theory goes away. I mean, at what point do we start calling this as insane as it is? Um, a long time ago. <laughs> we needed to start a long time ago. And I think we have, people like us three have, but the truth is, you know, what this really does is it makes it just super clear for the people who have deluded themselves into thinking that you can be trans everything, you can change your mind every day with the, you know, the wind blowing by, you can just change each day. This makes it explicitly clear how insane the ideology is because we can keep going. You know, I could identify as invisible now. I could pop off the screen and say I'm invisible and you have to accept it under their orthodoxy. I think this, this just plainly shows you in clear images that this is a mental illness and we need to treat it as a mental illness. It's honestly, you know, if we want to talk about being empathetic, the wrong thing to do is to treat these people as if they're not insane. This is insane. It's, it's a mental illness and we need to treat it that way. And the saddest part is, is that we've done nothing to actually confront the fact that this is a mental illness. Yeah, and, and Pastor Scott, that goes back to our prior discussion about the church. I mean, the, everyone is saying, oh, we need to love is love, and we need to, you know, tolerate all of these things, and how dare you, bigot, if you don't participate in their lie. But the truth is genuine love. And what they're asking is for the rest of the 99.9% .9 of rational people to buy into their lies to support it and to somehow say that it's better and it's more tolerant to pretend that men can be women or British people can now be Korean or, you know, any of this hyperbole that is just absolutely false. You know, and, you know, we used to call it, well, when I say we, America used to call this type of behavior insanity uh, when we had what um, the first notorious transracial activity was Michael Jackson. <laughs>
<laughs> he went from being Can't black play. and he got all these plastic surgeries and he changed his skin color and they called him what? Wacko Jacko. Oh, he's crazy. <laughs> he's nuts. He's this, he's that. Now, if Mike did it this, these days, everyone would say, hey, there's nothing wrong. Mike wants to change his color. Mike wants to change his face. He can change his nose. He can change his lips. He can change his eyes. Nothing's wrong with that. You know, in, in this day and age, they're calling right wrong and calling wrong right. They're trying to normalize abhorrent behavior. And you look up and they want America to be nothing more than a collective of freaks and, and idiots and crazy. They're trying to turn the asylum over to the inmates. But, you know, there's always going to be that, that remnant, that's, that, that segment of American society that's going to say, look, you know, uh, this isn't right. And, and, and so I thank God for people like you that do just that. Well, I'm thankful. This guy's nuts. For, I mean, he's just yeah. nuts. Robbie's right. The guy's nuts. <laughs> yes, and I'm so thankful for both of you as well that are willing to stand up and just say, you know, this is the emperor has no clothes here. This is something that is so ridiculous and so outlandish. Absolutely not. But Robbie, um, you know, in the last about minute we have here, you know, so where does this go from a I guess, legislative standpoint. I mean, because when they're talking about civil rights in the sense of saying, oh, we need to now codify in the law protections for mental health issues, basically, and to say that we now have to participate in their lie, that seems to undercut everything about women's issues, about, you know, all kinds of actual civil rights. Yeah, you know, the civil rights that I'm concerned about are, are the people who actually have the lived experiences of what they are, you know, like being a woman or being the descendant of somebody who experienced slavery. I'm more concerned with people who actually really are things than other things. Like the woman who had to have a man walk into the spa in Los Angeles this week. And, and we're going to have to cut it off right there. I'm so sorry. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and we're continuing our conversation, and we need to have a conversation about what's going on with the Syrian airstrikes. I think a lot of people are confused about what the Biden administration is possibly doing. We also need to talk about the woke military. So joining me now are two people who definitely have some expertise in all of this, retired Lieutenant Colonel Sargas Sengeri, who is the CEO of the Near East Center for Strategic Engagement and founder of the Assyrian Initiative, and also Mark Geist, who is the former USMC and best-selling co-author of 13 Hours. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Hey, Jenna, thank you so Good much. Good to be here. Thanks. All right. So, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, I'll start with you. Um, so with these airstrikes, what is your perspective on the White House and why on earth Biden is doing this? Thank you very much for having us. Uh, I think what he's doing, he's trying to kind of leverage against Iran. Unfortunately, uh, when uh, there was a meeting in Geneva that was led by China, where there's a possible agreement that might have been reached, uh, that agreement has been reached with the previous administration in Iran, because we just had another election where we had a hardliner, IEC, who became actually the president. He's going to take over by August 5th. I'm not sure if Biden knows uh, if he's conducting these to try to leverage against Iran, but if you're going to be walking in and having a possible agreement with the previous administration of the Iranian government, it's very much possible that you are not going to be able to flip Iran's hardline leaders for a possible future negotiations on the Iran deal. And as you know, when RAEC was asked, the new president of Iran, whether or not he's going to talk to Biden, he simply said no. So it depends on how much leverage you're going to get. You're going to have to hit the proxies and test a new administration that is coming into Iran. 
Hmm. Um, those are some really good points. And I think, you know, Mark, speaking about Joe Biden on the foreign policy stage, I mean, it's obvious that he doesn't carry the gravitas that President Trump did. And so are these types of overtures and these types of actions uh, really coming from more of the administration trying to bolster him? Or where do you see this in terms of our foreign policy? Well, I think specifically with Iran, um, just as Lieutenant Colonel had stated, I mean, the hardliners in Iran are there. We call them hardliners for a reason. They don't uh, they know that they have the power. They know they have the time. They have the relationships with both North Korea and Russia that they don't have to abide by uh, pretty much anything that anybody else is doing, uh, especially with President Biden who has not shown his strength at all in any manner. Um, he thinks he can talk his way through things. And with the Iranian regime sitting heavy, both in Iran and controlling a lot of Baghdad and the government there, um, it's, uh, it's, we seem to have been um, almost minimalized in the, in the argument. Yeah, and you know, so uh, General Milley actually had a, uh, a conversation at a congressional hearing earlier, and uh, talking about you know how bad Biden is on the world stage and what um, a lot of our enemies and allies are thinking about him um, and the woke direction of the military. Watch this. So, to comment on that, do you remember what we were, what your line of questioning or thought was there? Um, sure. Um, first of all. On the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, but I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America. What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that, because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders, now and in the future, do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong? with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend. And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. That was started at Harvard Law School years ago, and it proposed that there were laws in the United States, antebellum laws prior to the Civil War, that led to uh, a power differential with African-Americans that were three-quarters of a human being when this country was formed. And then we had a civil war and emancipation proclamation to change it. And we brought it up to the Civil Rights Act in 1964. It took another 100 years to change that. So look it, I do want to know. And I respect your service, and you and I are both Green Berets. But I want to know. And it matters to our military and the discipline and cohesion of this military. And I thank you for the opportunity to make a comment on that. Thank you, General. Uh well, Matt Gates was certainly shaking his head. Mark, your reaction? Um, I mean, he his reaction to it says it all. I mean, he has bought into it. And he's a four-star general. He's a politician. Um, they have to get confirmed by Congress. Right now, Congress is heavy with, you know, it's, it's on the side of the um, liberals. So he's going he's gonna to go down that road. And, you know, and, I don't care 
personally, from a military standpoint, if what you do and who you are is irrelevant, as long as you are a asset to the mission of the military and the mission of the military is to protect this country from um, those from enemies, both foreign and domestic. And if what you bring to the table is not part of success in that mission, whether it's on the battlefield or back home, then we need to evaluate that. We have to evaluate each and everything we do to ensure that it is not something that is going to demean us, or not demean us, but is going to d deter us from what our mission is. Yeah, and so, Lieutenant Colonel, I mean, doesn't this undermine the, the sense of cohesion of the military of saying we're all going to respect our flag and understand that we're all human beings made in the image of God and this type of theory being taught in, as General Milley said, a, a, an academy uh, that the military goes through, doesn't that undermine exactly what Mark was just talking about? No, look, uh, I've been given many reading lists in the 20 years I was in the service. And one of those reading lists I looked at really uh, saved my life when it came to somebody trying to blow me up downrange. So uh, I think sometimes we get carried away with not focusing the soldiers on the task at hand. In this case, is what are the tactics of the enemy? What are the procedures they use? How do we maneuver against them? What are future technologies that might be arrayed on the battlefield? Um, what should we do to try to counter what our enemies are trying to do uh, against us uh, when we have to engage them on the field of battle? Those are much more important to me, to be honest, and I think those were the much more important key lessons learned or lessons learned that we have in the call center that uh, shows us exactly what we have to do to counter what our enemies are doing. Our enemies could care less about what we're studying as far as... Uh, U.S. policy internally is concerned. They only have an objective and they want to achieve it and we have to counter it. I rather focus on what is the Chinese plan over the 100 years that they're trying to do to affect American policy. How do they conduct their information operations? How do they actually send fentanyl to our southern borders? What type of admission system do they have that they're allowed there for their PLA to operate out of our embassies in Houston? Those things are the important pieces that I would actually give as a reading list to our soldiers rather than some of the time that they have to waste on other issues. Yeah, and I, I think that's a totally fair point, that why aren't we teaching the mechanics of actually doing their job? Why are we filling their heads with all of this philosophical nonsense? But, uh, gentlemen, I really appreciate your time, your perspective. Thank you both so much for your service as we're celebrating Independence Day this weekend. We'll definitely stand and uh, be thankful for this great country, be proud of every soldier that has defended our right to have all of these opinions and freedom of speech, and we'll be right back to talk more on Just the Truth. Welcome back to Just the Truth. And I want to go now live to Heather Mullins, who is our Real America's Voice correspondent, uh, live from Fulton County, Georgia, where there is a town hall occurring tonight uh, that is sponsored by Women for America First. And uh, Dr. Gina and live from Studio B are going to be dipping in and out of this town hall uh, over the next two hours. So, Heather, uh, what are you seeing from the ground? Well, Jenna, you know, there's a lot of people here, obviously, that have been paying very close election uh, to one of the, the lawsuits gaining a lot of traction here in Georgia, specifically the one out of Fulton County that seeks to unseal ballots. So what this is really is a town hall event that's bringing everybody from Georgia that's been covering this. You have whistleblowers here. You have senators uh, you know, like Senator Burt Jones. You have Brandon Beach and you have Susie Voyle. So she's actually here. She's going to be speaking tonight. She was one of the poll managers who you may remember from the Senate hearings 
uh, that you were at where she came across stacks of ballots uh, in Fulton County that appeared to be machine-generated ballots. Now, her affidavit was one of four that were actually used to unseal these ballots in Fulton County as part of this lawsuit that's currently ongoing. So we're going to hear from her and several others that are really just making a big difference here in Georgia and getting to the bottom of what happened in the 2020 election. Wow, so this is a town hall format, and so um, are, they, are the audience going to be able to participate, and what is kind of the goal here? Is it just to talk about election integrity? Is it to come up with a plan for the legislature, or what's really the purpose of this town hall? You know, I, I, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think it's a, it's a way to inform the public on what's been going on. I know we're going to be hearing from several speakers that really uh, tap into what's been going on here in Georgia, but there's a lot of people that don't know what's going on in Georgia, uh, all across the country. So I really think this is about raising awareness. I'm not 100% sure if the public's going to be able to interact with uh, people on stage, uh, but we'll be covering it throughout the night and we'll be able to tell you that. But overall, I really think this is about raising awareness. Yeah, and speaking of raising awareness, you have done a fantastic job, Heather, uh, for Real America's Voice, covering everything going on from New Hampshire to Georgia and everything in between on the audit. So what's the latest, not just in Georgia, but, uh, you know, there, but also anywhere else in the country that you can give us an update on uh, what's going on with election integrity um, as you've been investigating? Well, as you know, uh, Arizona is wrapping up with their audit that they just did. And you had several uh, uh, senators from both Wisconsin um, and a few other states, Pennsylvania, that are visiting audits like the one that was done in Maricopa County and looking how they can implement that in their state. So this is really just the beginning. You know, New Hampshire did a tiny audit up there where we saw that folds on the ballots were causing scanners to misread them as votes. So that's one problem we've uncovered. Uh, Fulton County, Georgia is a whole different ball game. Now you're talking about possible corruption and uh, ballots being injected into the election. And then, you know, you have what's going on in Arizona. So there's different cases. So it's not sort of the widespread one size fits all uh, approach to every single audit. Each state has their own set of issues that we're going to narrow in on a grassroots level and figure out what's causing those problems. But you're going to see a domino effect, I think, once the results from Arizona come out, once the results from Georgia come out, and you're going to see all these other states now questioning their election results. Yeah, and, you know, and as well they should, because transparency is usually a good thing until it comes to the Democrats, right? And we heard, Heather, on uh, Saturday from Ohio, uh, the first rally that President Trump did after leaving office. Uh, he spoke a lot about election integrity, continues to put the spotlight on these audits, continues to speak out that the truth needs to come out. Um, have you talked with anyone there in Fulton County about their reaction to the rally or uh, their continued support of President Trump as he's continuing to put the spotlight on election integrity? Yeah, so I talked to a bunch of people there that were actually very aware uh, at his rally Saturday in Ohio. I talked to several people that were aware of what's going on in Georgia because of President Trump. And that's something, Jenna, that's so incredibly important because, as I mentioned earlier when I was talking with John Fredericks, 
we have a media in our nation right now that is deliberately not showing these things to the American people. It's a level of dishonesty I personally have never seen in my lifetime, which is why I take so seriously this job to find answers, because people deserve to know. And when you have networks like CNN and NBC going on the record saying there was no fraud, before these investigations had even gotten started, you know for a fact they're not going to show up in Fulton County if, if it turns out that we find 20,000 fraudulent votes that were injected that flipped the state blue. They're not going to cover it. They've already gone on the record. They demonized President Trump when he suggested it. And, and you remember the call with Brad Raffensperg that got leaked to the Washington Post where they misquoted President Trump and, and saying that he was saying find votes. No, he said look at Fulton County, Georgia. Because you, Jenna, yourself were at those Senate hearings. You heard the, the the affidavits and the witness testimony from the people here in Georgia saying things like they showed up to vote on Election Day and were told somebody already voted in their name. Or saying they printed test ballots on official voter roll paper that went missing out of the ballot warehouse. I mean, these are things you witnessed, you heard from them themselves, reported back to Trump, and then Trump reported to the American people. So thank God for President Trump, because if it weren't for him getting this stuff out on his platform, there'd be a lot of people that didn't know what was really going on in our election. Yeah, and that is absolutely the truth, Heather, and I think that so many people are thankful that President Trump is continuing to stand firm, that the truth needs to come out, and we should all be fans of the truth. We should all want the truth, whatever it is, to come out so that we as a nation can have confidence in free and fair elections and also can know what exactly happened and can move forward with real competent legislative solutions. And it seems like it's only the left that doesn't want to get to the truth, that doesn't want to cover these audits. And you've done a fantastic job for Real America's Voice covering all of this. So we will be coming back to you in the next uh, couple of hours with Dr. Gina and Studio 6B. So Heather, thanks so much uh, for all of your commentary and your great reporting. Yeah, and thank you for everything you've done, Jenna, because you've done a lot, too. <laughs> Thanks so much, Heather. I really appreciate it. You know, uh, folks, we just have to continue to ask for and demand the truth. That is what this show is all about. That, that's what every media should be all about, is simply wanting to get to the truth. It is only the left that wants to silence and suppress the truth because they want you to buy into their fiction and their narrative and their opinion, whatever that is. You need to continue to voice boldly your questions. You need to look for the truth. And even if it's not the truth that you prefer, you need to make sure that when the truth comes out, you are happy that the truth can still be discovered in this country because we still live in a nation that values truth and has the protected rights in this country to seek and demand the truth. That's it for this episode of Just the Truth. I'm Jenna Ellis, and we are sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find out more about the Thomas More Society and the incredible work that we do there at thomasmoresociety.org. And I will be back tomorrow and every Monday through Friday here on Just the Truth.